What's up, friends? Welcome to Web3 Academy, a place for entrepreneurs, creators, and marketers to explore and learn how to use Web3 to transform business models and create thriving communities. Enjoy this next episode. GM, GM, welcome, friends, back to another episode of Web3 Academy. I am Kyle Reedhead here by myself today, and I'm going to talk about is big tech entering Web3 good or bad for the industry? Uh, I've written an article on this, so you are more than welcome to read the article as well. It is in the show notes below, uh, so feel free to read if you like that. Otherwise, I'm going to read it for you uh, and um, dive into a little bit more details and context. Now, before I do that, um, if you are someone that's looking to work in Web3, which I highly recommend you do, Web3 jobs are almost all remote. Uh, Web3 jobs pay more. Uh, they also usually get you some tokens, which can be nice depending on where you work. Um, and it also puts you in just one of the most innovative, fastest growing industries um, that are available today, right? If there is any space that you want to get into, uh, it is Web3 because you will be one of the early people in it and it will allow you to grow and have so much opportunity in the future as this industry builds out. If that is you, if you want to get into Web3 or you just want to talk to companies and see if it's a right fit for you, join our Web3 Doer Collective. We have created a platform for you. It is free where all you do is just join in, you create a profile, and we are going to be handpicking all of the top companies uh, and job opportunities in this space and directing them literally right to this collective so they can scan through and look for who uh, are the people that they need. So if you're a marketer, if you're a community manager, if you're a designer, um, if you are a writer, if you are a developer, of course, um, if you are a product manager, um, whatever it is that you do, join in there and um, the show notes are, or sorry, the link is in the show notes below. You can join it. It takes you like, I don't know, a couple minutes to create your profile uh, and you will literally have some of the top companies message you and reaching out to you about potential opportunities at their companies. So if you are looking for a job in Web3 or you're just open to like seeing what's out there, Follow the links below and just sign up, create yourself a profile. I promise you it's going to be an amazing opportunity for you. If you're a Web3 company, by the way, and you're hiring, um, well, there's going to be all these people signing up and uh, that are great professionals that are experienced in Web3 because they listen to Web3 Academy. Uh, go in and you can also apply to be a part of this collective so that you can reach out to these people. There's also a job board there. Um, so if you're looking for a job, you can actually just go and look. We already have jobs available. And, uh, and again, if you're a company, you can put your jobs on there as well. Um, our whole goal here is just to connect and onboard Web2 people uh, into Web3, uh, into Web3 companies. So again, make sure to check that out. We're super excited about that opportunity. And, uh, and again, join our Discord, which is in the show notes below too. If you have questions, if you need help, um, we are here to connect and get people jobs in Web3. So uh, we'll see you there. And thank you guys for, for signing up and joining that. It's going to be a great experience for everyone. So is big tech entering Web3 good or bad for the industry? We're seeing big tech entering right now, right? So let's talk about the presence of big tech in Web3. Instagram, Twitter, Reddit, they have all launched features utilizing Web3 tools like NFTs and tokens already, right? And many others like Shopify, YouTube, and Spotify have announced it's in the works and it is coming soon. Big tech is here and they are bringing their billions of dollars and billions of users with them. But is this a good thing for Web3? Isn't the promise of Web3 to create a fair and equal internet for everyone? To create an internet free from you know centralized organizations? Surely the tech giants of the world won't follow the ethos of crypto and Web3, right? 
Won't they do what they always do and just squeeze as much profit as possible from anywhere they can? Well, in this episode here, we're going to dive into what big tech entering Web3 means for its users and, uh, and for the industry at large. Okay, so let's start first, um, just getting clear on the promise of Web3. If you are in the Web3 space, you know, you're probably excited. There's a lot happening. There's money to be made. There's innovation. But like, really, what are we doing here? What is the purpose and the promise of Web3? And this, I hope you guys really understand, because this is really important. Really, digital ownership and interoperability are the true unlocks of Web3. That's really what we're doing here, okay? Web3 enables us to connect into applications with our self-custody account, okay? You can think of this also as a wallet, your crypto wallet, your Web3 wallet, and allows us to connect uh, into these applications rather than create an account which is owned by that application. Web3 enables us to own our data that is in that account, right? And the, the data that we create by, you know, um, searching the internet or just doing whatever it is we do inside of these applications what Web3 enables is us to own our data and choose what uh, we share with the applications that we interact with, rather than them owning that data and owning that account. Web3 enables us to own the assets that we create, that we earn, and that we purchase inside of these applications as well. And now because of these three features, it allows us to be free from sort of the stranglehold of big tech companies like Facebook and Google. If we don't like what their applications or their companies are doing, we can just simply disconnect from them at any time and bring all of those things, our account, our data, our assets with us with zero friction, right? So Web3 gives us a choice to go where we are treated best. It puts the power in the hands of the users rather than the centralized companies. And this is the true promise of Web3. This is the most exciting thing. And we'll talk about why that's really important in a second. Um, but here's what you need to understand about this with big tech entering. Big tech can't take control over Web3. That's the beauty of this, right? They don't stand a chance. And now that's not to say that they won't do well and find ways to make unbelievable profits because of course they're going to do that. What I'm saying is they can't take away the foundations of digital ownership and interoperability. And if they try to, then they're just in the same place that they started. They're just back in Web2, right? So for example, this is, I'm going to try to explain this in the best way I can, but if Meta decides to utilize NFTs, but does it in such a way that we don't custody our, our assets or the NFTs are on some centralized blockchain owned by Meta, well, then simply put, this isn't Web3, right? They just rebuilt their existing platform, but on a less efficient database. It makes no sense from a user standpoint, of course, but now maybe users don't get that. We don't understand it. Maybe it's a better UX over on Facebook's or Meta's side. So we do anyway, but more importantly, it makes no sense from a business standpoint on Meta's side. Here's why, right? The easiest way to think about a blockchain is as a glorified database, which is owned and controlled by no one, right? A database that also cannot be changed or altered in any way. It is essentially a permissionless ledger, right? Which is unlike the databases commonly used today, which are hosted on a centralized server, by a centralized company, which can be altered, changed, and permission at any time they please, right? So everything we do on Facebook and on Instagram and on Twitter and whatever, it's all just databases. When we create an account, we just go into Facebook's uh, database, which again, they own that database. It's on their servers, okay? When we post content, it just goes into a database. All Facebook is, 
is a UX experience to show that data, to show what you're posting, et cetera. Okay. And so if Meta decided to launch NFTs in Meta's centralized database, well, of course, it wouldn't actually be an NFT. It would just be a JPEG, right? Just like we have JPEGs today already on Facebook and Instagram, right? So remember, the only reason NFTs actually are NFTs, non-fungible tokens, or that they hold any value is because of the properties that permissionless and decentralized blockchains provide, verifiable ownership and digital scarcity, right? Without those properties, it's not an NFT and it doesn't hold any value which is exactly where things are already today in web two. So there's no purpose. There's no reason. There's no business case for Facebook to create their own version of an NFT because it just wouldn't be an NFT. They already have that, right? An NFT is just a picture, right? It's just the difference here in web three is that it's stored on the blockchain, which allows you to self-custody it and own it. And then in the web two world, again, it's just a picture. It's an identical picture. It's just, it's not stored in the blockchain. It's stored in a centralized database, which doesn't allow you to self-custody it. So Facebook isn't going to go and create a new version of an NFT on something that they custody because that's just what they already have, right? Hopefully you can, you can see that um, clear there. Um, but big tech is going to create their own blockchains with their own versions. They already have that. There is no new product there. And as much as we might hate big tech, they are smart enough to understand this fact, right? After all, they are called big tech for a reason. They understand the trends of technology and capitalize on it better than anyone else does, okay? And so how does big tech capitalize on Web3 then? Well, think about this. Decentralized and permissionless blockchains like Ethereum are unstoppable, right? Um, it, is, it is a new internet economy that offers a better product than anything that exists today on the internet. And that product is Blockspace. Okay, which is permissionless and trustless, uh, and it means of moving and storing digital value. Okay, permissionless and trustless means of moving and storing digital value. Now, because of its open nature, any person, any company, any country can use this block space for whatever they please, whenever they please, right? A centralized company with rules and regulations and jurisdictions, they can't compete with that. It's just not possible, right? Facebook and all these other companies, they have rules that they have to abide by. They can't let certain countries use their products, right? Because that's just the rules of whatever's going on in this centralized world. In a decentralized world, none of that matters. Anyone can use this. And that is obviously a way better product than, you know, the former. So what this means for big tech to enter web three is they will need to plug into existing blockchains and find new ways to generate revenue rather than create their own blockchains. And I think it's obvious that big tech already realizes they can't, they cannot own users assets in this world, whether that be NFTs tokens like ERC twenties or anything else, which is stored in the blockchain, which again, accounts, profile pictures, social content, uh, whatever kind of user data, et cetera. And the reason we see this is, I guess, obvious already is, it's already becoming a reality, right? Both Instagram and Twitter have elected to plug into Ethereum and interact with the NFTs that exist on Ethereum that their users self-custody rather than create their own centralized versions. So this is a great start to big tech entering Web3. This is big tech. Instagram and Twitter already telling us 
hey, we can't compete here. These decentralized, open, permissionless blockchains are better than what we can do. So what we're going to do is try to plug into them, right? And so what big tech can do in Web3 is provide services, applications, and experiences for users to utilize their assets, as well as facilitate things like onboarding and UX in Web3, right? Because it, everything in Web3 is about transacting and moving some form of value. Well, then they can take a percent cut from these transactions. There is money moving, which means they can skim off the top. And the easiest example to see this happening already is OpenSea, right? The largest NFT marketplace in Web3. Now, this is not considered big tech, not yet anyway. We'll see where they go. It is a centralized company, though, um, which created a service for users with digital assets. So OpenSea does not own or custody any of the user accounts or assets, right? They didn't create a blockchain or create NFTs. It just simply provides an interface for users to create, buy, and sell their own NFTs, which exist on Ethereum and Polygon and other blockchains. So with OpenSea, the users still have full control and ownership of their NFT. But what happens is anytime you do anything on OpenSea, anytime value is moved, OpenSea takes a two and a half percent cut off every transaction inside its platform, which is fair. I mean, two and a half percent is nothing compared to what most, you know, if you think of Apple, if you want to, you know, if you buy something like an app on Apple or whatever, they take like 30 something percent, which is insane, right? Um, so 2.5% is actually, is actually nothing. Substack, for example, which is like, you know, your, your, um, a newsletter platform takes 10% of all revenue. Now that's still even fairly low, uh, but 2.5 is great. And so as it goes in web three, users are free to leave OpenSea and use other NFT marketplaces like looks rare or rareable or something else, right? Because there's no friction to leave. Like there would be in leaving, I don't know, Instagram or Twitter, because you can simply just disconnect your wallet from OpenSea and connect to the next NFT marketplace. And those assets that were on OpenSea or that were listed on OpenSea, you can just move them over to LooksRare or move them over to Rarible, right? And your data, your account, all that just moves with you. You're not stuck inside that platform like we are today with Instagram and Twitter and all these other um, platforms. So this is how centralized companies, in my opinion, will work alongside these new features that have been added to the internet. And what I mean here is digital ownership and interoperability. Now, what's really cool about this is this is gonna really change the power distribution of the internet. So the question is, how does Web3 redistribute the power of big tech? Okay, hopefully you can already see what's happening here. But the idea that users own their digital assets and can bring them in and out of any application is, is actually profound. It's a huge, huge unlock. What this means is that companies now need to play nice. They no longer have total control and can do whatever they want like they can today. A company's number one focus moving forward will have to be giving the users what they want. Otherwise, a competitor will do it and their users will leave. Easy as that, right? The dynamics have completely changed. Competition will be fierce. and As a result, it will be a race to provide better and cheaper products. Here, the easiest example, OpenSea, I just gave you, right? People have been using OpenSea for a while. It's easily the biggest in the space to, you know, to sell and, and buy and, and uh, exchange NFTs. Well, all of a sudden, LooksRare came out. And they said, hey, well, we're basically the same thing as OpenSea, but we're going to give you these looks tokens. Or actually, I think they were giving ETH tokens instead. 
So it's like, you use our stuff and we'll pay you to use it. Right now, if, if Twitter or someone else said that, and we were on Instagram, we still couldn't really move over there. Especially if we have a lot of followers on Instagram, we can't just like go, Oh, I'll go over to Twitter and start tweeting or posting pictures there because I'll make, you know, a couple cents each post. Well, if your business relies on your followers, you have an Instagram, you're screwed. Right. But here everyone was like, Oh, sweet. I'll just go over to looks rare and I'll list it there. Instead, I can still sell my assets. There's no difference. I just move my account over here and boom, it was seamless. You could just do it and looks where it took off. And they had tons of users right off the bat just because of that move. And so that was competition right there. Now, does looks rare win in the long run? No idea. Uh, OpenSea is still winning, but it's the, it's the, that, that opportunity is there right now. OpenSea, I think still provides a better service um, and a better UX because looks rare is new. It's just the idea that you can move so easily if you wanted to. And so what this means is that competition is about to really heat up in the space and you got to do everything you can for your users to keep them around. And so what I believe happens here is it's not just about creating a better product, though that is obviously going to be a huge aspect of it. It will also be a race to share ownership and governance with users as users who own the products or have a say in the direction of the products will of course become more incentivized to stick around and remain a user, right? We, we sort of understand this in like the web two world with like credit card points, right? Uh, if you have like, I don't know, a credit card for a gas station, people will go out of their way to go to that gas station, even though there's one that's like right beside their house or like right on the road that they're on, but go to the other one because they know they can get rewards, right? Well, this is the same thing here with web three is, companies or protocols, whatever, can start to give you rewards to use its products. And now because you own that, obviously you are going to want that company to do well because you own some of its equity. And maybe that equity is also a governance token where you can vote on the direction of that. And if you are someone who is using, let's say Facebook or whatever, um, I'm just using web two examples. I think this doesn't happen there. It happens over in some sort of web three protocol. But let's just, for example, say you're on Facebook and you have, you know, 500,000 followers and you've built a business based off that. Well, you really want Facebook to do well because that's where you have most of the action. And now if you own tokens of that and you can vote on the direction of that, well, you're going to continue to use that platform and you're probably going to promote it to others too, right? And so now you're not just a user, but you're an owner of it. And I think it makes sense for platforms to start distributing the ownership, the equity and the governance to their users. Cause that's, what's going to keep them around. That's, what's going to make it sticky. It's no longer just you're forced to stay here because your account is here and you can't do anything about it. Now it's like, well, I got to do something that keep these people here. And so creating better products, giving ownership, giving governance, these are going to be the things that keep people there. And so the power and the value in turn is distributed across the community rather than just the, you know, the CEO or the, 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 um, the board of directors or whoever, right? So it'll be very interesting to see how this all plays out in the coming years. In my opinions, I think this has big implications far beyond just big tech, right? And I'm looking at you, big government, right? A lot of what we talk about here with big tech and, and all this, I see similarities in, in nation states and in countries, uh, especially as someone who's remote and works remote, I live in a lot of different countries and I've learned a lot about how um, there are many countries which are giving tax benefits so that people will leave their existing country or drop their residency at existing countries and go to places like Dubai and Portugal and, uh, and the Bahamas, et cetera. 
because they're treated better there in terms of tax, right? So you already see it kind of playing it. Now it's harder in the, in the nation state uh, competition because like it's physical and people have homes and you know jobs and things like that in their physical place. You can't just move around as easy like you can in these digital worlds. Um, but it's the same kind of thing. You can go where you're treated best. And I think that's really going to be the huge sort of competition um, in tech. And this will be true of social, but it'll be true of everything. I think it'll be true of all protocols and all technologies and things that we do. I think tokens will be at the forefront of it all. Um, and we will start to have this ownership economy where we own the things that we use and do and, and, and uh, are, are on. Um, and that to me is very, very exciting. So my final thoughts, I'm excited for big tech to enter web three, right? They have billions of dollars, they have billions of users. And most importantly, we talk about this a lot on web three academies. They have hundreds of thousands of developers in the best product and UX designers in the world, right? It is these companies that can give web three the UX that it needs in addition to seamlessly onboarding billions of users into the space. Okay. Our UX and web three is not great and it's getting better slowly, but surely, but look, the experts are at web in the web two companies in big tech. That's why they're big tech. And the more, and they already are, but the more they come over to web three and help web three improve their UX, the better this all gets and it's coming. Right. Um, I mean, we already see it. Look at Instagram plugging into, um, into Ethereum with their NFTs. They don't call it NFTs. They call it digital collectibles. And as much as that's just a change in words, these are the things that we need in UX. These are the improvements we need, right? Because no one cares about the word NFT. We do right now, but like, we're never going to use that word. It's a terrible word, non-fungible token. Do you really think that's something we're going to use uh, in normal you know, conversations with mainstream people? Absolutely not. But digital collectible, well, that makes sense to someone. My mom can understand what digital collectible is. And who's the first person to do that? Instagram, right? You don't see anyone in the Web3 space that's native Web3 calling a digital collectible. We call it NFT. We talk about blockchain. We talk about the confusing stuff that people don't care about. The mainstream people don't care about. So I think the, the product, and that's just an easy example, but I think the product designers um, and UX designers from Web2 World coming in is going to be so massive for us. But while Web3 does not need big tech to achieve adoption, it will definitely help. It's definitely going to speed things up. Okay. Which again is why I started this off saying, hey, if you are in the Web2 world and you want to move into Web3, we need your help. I'm serious. Web3 needs your help. Whether you are a community manager, you are a product designer, you are just a, a, a designer, a developer, a product manager, you know, whatever skill you have in the Web2 world, I'm telling you right now that Web3 needs it. And Web3 will pay you more. It'll be more lenient. You're going to work with way cooler people, more excited people, more passionate people. So look, don't wait because the earlier you start working in Web3, the more that you get to the top and you become a leader in this space, there are not a lot of experienced leaders in Web3. Anyone who has any sort of experience in Web3 can basically get a job at any company they want, right? Because it's still so new. And there are going to be thousands of Web3 projects built and started in the next year, probably, and tens of thousands in the years to come. And you have an opportunity to be at the forefront of that. So again, if you want to work in Web3, check out the link in the show notes below and join our collective where we you can sign up and make a profile and we will connect you with many of the top companies in this space. Um, so again, Web3 does not need big tech to achieve adoption. 
Okay, knowing and understanding the foundational changes to the internet that blockchain technology provides, we can be confident that big tech will have to play by the rules and put the users first this time around. That's the exciting part here. And so that said, I'm sure they will find a way to mess this one up. You know, human greed is always finds a way in. Um, but like I said, we don't need big tech. So if they do find a way to screw it up, who cares, right? We don't need them. But I'll tell you one thing, big tech sure as hell needs us. We are the users. And without the users, big tech doesn't exist, okay? So I think big tech coming into space is very, very good. And I think they pay, play nice because what else are they gonna do? They have to, they have no other choice. Well, friends, that's my article. Uh, I hope that you liked it. I hope that you uh, enjoyed that conversation. Um, if you have questions, please join our Discord uh, and feel free to reach out. Uh, reach out either on Twitter, um, just Kyle, Kyle Reedhead, uh, R-E-I-D-H-E-A-D. Follow me on Twitter. I tweet a lot um, and uh, I would just tweet me a question, tweet me your opinions. If you disagree with anything I said, I'd love to hear that. So do it on Twitter or feel free to join in the conversation over in our Discord. We have a Web3 Academy Discord uh, where we talk a lot about these podcasts and articles and just everything else happening in the space. And so, again, we're just trying to cultivate a community and be a place where we all get to learn from each other. So if that's you, if you're excited about Web3, if you're passionate, join in, introduce yourself in our Discord um, and, uh, and even join in one of our um, weekly events. So every Monday at 7 p.m. EST, you can hang out with uh, Jay, my co-host, uh, as well as myself. Um, and we can talk about uh, the things that we're discussing on podcasts. So we'd love to have you in there and chat. Uh, that's 7 p.m. EST on Mondays, every Monday, uh, inside of our Discord. Friends, thank you so much for listening. And please share, like, review all the things for us on YouTube, Spotify, whatever it is that you're listening on. Please help us grow this thing. We need you. We need the users, just like big tech needs the users. Uh, thank you all, my Web3 Academy doers. You are the best, and I will see you in the next episode. Thank you for listening to Web3 Academy. We hope this helps you along your Web3 journey. If it does, please share this episode and subscribe so you don't miss the next one. By the way, if you have yet to join the Discord community, you are missing out. This is where all the magic happens. This is where we learn, where we ask questions, where we network. Uh, you want to be in there. The link to join is in the description below. And finally, a quick disclaimer. Nothing in this podcast was financial advice. Crypto and Web3 can be risky. You can literally lose it all. In fact, if you invest on account of what we say, you probably will lose it all. So don't do that. In all honesty, the point of this podcast is to remove the noise of markets and price and focus on utility and implementation anyway. So you should not take any of this as financial advice. Thank you, friends, and see you in the next one.